This is a Federal News Network podcast. The president's 2022 budget request is out, or part of it anyhow. Administration officials previewed several broad priorities and top-line spending numbers on Friday when they released the so-called skinny budget. For the first time in years, civilian agencies are the big winners. President Biden is recommending a 16 percent increase in civilian agency spending. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco joins me now to break down some of the numbers. And I guess, Nicole, this really shouldn't be called a skinny budget, not at a 16 percent gain. So let's start with some of those top line numbers. What can you tell us? Well, first of all, Tom, I don't think the Biden administration wants us to use the phrase skinny budget. Uh, That message was conveyed a little earlier. I think they favor the term budget preview or something like that. Uh, But anyway, you're right. There's a lot going (laughs) on here, and it is just a preview initially of what the president's going to ask for in 2022. So first things first, you know, $769 billion in non-defense discretionary spending, which is a 16% bump over or more than a bump over 2021 levels, and then $753 billion for defense programs. That amounts to about a 1.7% spending hike for defense programs in 2022, which the administration said would mainly cover pay increases for military members and civilian employees who support them. However, we don't know what that pay raise will be for military members, or we haven't really confirmed what the pay raise will be for civilian employees, although we did report last week or two weeks ago now that the administration is considering a 2.7% increase for civilian employees. Sure, but the point is no big acquisition program gains or anything like that. And what about the overseas contingency operations budget? Well, interestingly enough, Tom, the Biden administration wants to ditch it, essentially, for 2022. They called it a budgetary gimmick. And instead, they want to move pretty much anything that was previously designated as OCO funding into base funding. And that's the mechanism that they're drawing on here. And getting back to the civilian agencies for which they have some pretty big bumps planned, what are some of the priorities you're seeing? Yeah, so it's really interesting what the spending increases are for some of these agencies. Health and Human Services, for example, up 23.5% over the 2021 uh, levels. You know, a lot of that would go to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which the administration says is needed to restore capacity there, especially during a pandemic and to prepare for future ones. You know, EPA would uh, see funding increase by 21.3%, Interior up 16%, Commerce Department up 28%, the Treasury Department about 10, 11%, and about 10% at the IRS, which the Biden administration says. A lot of that would go toward customer service improvements, plus a multi-year initiative to improve tax compliance as well. A General Services Administration, some interesting things here, actually. They would get about $300 million to buy electric vehicles for the federal fleet and to upgrade and add uh, charging infrastructure for the agency Federal agencies as a whole would get an additional $300 million to begin electrifying their own vehicle fleet. The administration notably is also recommending $500 million for the Technology Modernization Fund. And of course, Tom, that's on top of the $1 billion that was part of the American Rescue Plan passed out of Congress last month or so. So there's a lot here. There really is. And what about headcounts? Does the budget address that particular issue? I mean, it seems like with all that money, somebody's going to be needed to carry out programs. But does it 
get into that level of detail at this point? It doesn't get into that level of detail. I imagine we'll see that with the full budget release, which we've heard is coming in the months ahead. Uh, Nothing more specific than that at this point, but I'm sure we'll see more on the federal workforce, more on federal pay, staffing, and all of that stuff at a later time. All right. And again, this is a, they don't want us calling this skinny budget, skinny budget, skinny budget, but this budget preview, what is not in there? So it really is, I think, the big thing for federal employees is that it doesn't come down specifically on a pay raise as well as, you know, some federal workforce initiatives, which we here are coming. I would also note two other agencies that previously saw big spending increases under the Trump administration, but it's a little different now in this new Biden administration. And that's the Department of Homeland Security. Their budget actually stayed flat, although the administration did recommend additional spending on cybersecurity. CISA would get about $110 million over the previous year. The request also mentioned something about a cyber response and recovery fund, although we don't have more details on that, $20 million for that. And notably, Tom, the administration mentions no extra funding for border wall construction, although DHS would receive about $1.2 billion for border infrastructure, which it seems like would be technology uh, funding for the ports of entry and things like that as well. And then quickly, I would also just mention the VA, which has seen a lot of spending bumps in recent years and would continue to get one, although an 8.2% funding increase in 2022, which is relatively modest considering some of the other ones that we've seen. And VA would get, you know, more funding to modernize those IT systems, plus $2.7 billion for the electronic health record modernization effort. Interesting on Homeland Security, because I think they'll probably, when the details come out, maybe reallocate some money so there is more towards cybersecurity. But the border issue, I guess, is just, that seems to vex every administration. And whether it's a crisis or not, depending on what people want to call it, something is going on down there. And I guess they're going to have to deal with it in some manner. But Again, we have to wait for the details, and those are expected, what, in another month or so? We haven't gotten a specific timeline on when the full request will be out. In the past, it's come out in May, so we might see it then. However, this budget preview was a little late, you know, perhaps a little later than some other transition year previews, so I'm not sure. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. We'll post this interview along with a link to that skinny budget summary at federalnewsnetwork.com slash federal drive. We now bring you a special presentation from our friends at WEPA. Shane, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us about WEPA and your new podcast? Mike, great to see you again. The podcast series, Lessons in Leadership, what we're trying to do is is take a deeper dive, a different angle into the conversation around leadership with great leaders at all levels of government. Uh, Since the 1900s, leadership has been studied in a serious and academic way. Uh, great man theory, the leader-follower theory, the inspirational leader, transformational leader. All of these are backward-looking development of styles, looking at an individual, figuring out how they did leadership, and then translating it into a form that we can use today to learn, to perhaps emulate, copy. But great leaders, they have more than one style. I think, I truly think that a great leader can adapt and transform into the role that's needed at that time. So what we're trying to do is is talk to 
great leaders and go a level deeper. Tell us about your a story in your past. Tell us an inspiration that really affected your ability to lead others. And this certainly applies in the uh, federal space. The federal government, it's over 2 million employees. Great leaders are throughout the federal government, both at the top and the middle ranks. And what we want to do is ask them to pull inside their memory, pull inside their personal history, find those moments in time when they were changed, they were inspired, they learned something about leadership from another person, perhaps it was uh, from themselves, and they brought that to the workplace, and they inspired other and became great leaders. So that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. Okay, so I, I get that you wanted to start with leadership, but what makes leadership such an important topic right now for federal workers? Great question. Leadership today is tested like never before. Um, Today's, if I had to put a leadership style, if I had to put names to it, we hear about um, empathetic, we hear transparent, we hear uh, inspirational. So today we have COVID, we have a down economy, we have people, we have social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. There are many new factors. And it's drawing like never before on a leader's ability to pull from within themselves, and adapt to the current change. So leadership today is almost brand new again. We're taking all kinds of different styles, attributes, learnings that leaders have. They're looking at the current situation that we're in and understanding how do I move groups of people? How do I move my employees? How do I inspire? How do I get them to the next best place? So I think leadership today, this conversation, uh, is extremely relevant, perhaps more relevant than it's been in several decades. You know, we talk about an employee's personal route to growth, but what role does the management side have in this? I think in the federal government, it's, it's a little bit different than it is in the private sector. Uh, my father was a civilian federal employee. Uh, he joined the federal government in the 1960s. Uh, John Kennedy, he was inspired by ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He had opportunities to go in the private sector. That notion of service inspired him. It inspired an entire generation. I would like to think that call to service which is unique in, in the federal space, in the government space, still exists today. Well, that about says it all. But is anything else you'd want the audience to know about you personally or WEPA as an, as an organization? Uh, I have been uh, around the group affinity insurance world for um, three decades. Uh, led This is my second uh, major organization that I've led. And I will tell you that we impart this feeling, uh, you mentioned it, Mike, about service, this notion. We serve those who serve. And uh, I will tell you that it's refreshing. It's a blessing to be there. And I have so much respect for civilian federal employees at every level of government. In this podcast, we're hoping to talk to leaders which are similarly inspired and can share their 
learnings over a lifetime, and uh, this will be useful information uh, for anybody in government service. As we continue to face COVID-19, we're now facing flu season. Influenza has the potential to infect millions, putting lives and the healthcare system at risk. Now more than ever, it's essential to protect yourself from influenza by getting the flu vaccine. The flu vaccine is safe and effective and can't give you the flu. To protect yourself and those at highest risk, get your flu vaccine. Learn more at michigan.gov flu. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. A financial plan isn't just about money. It's about what matters most to you, like protecting your family, supporting your community, and building a legacy for future generations. At Northwestern Mutual, we start with a conversation about the life you want to live now and years from now. Whether you're paying down debt, saving for college, or planning for retirement, we have an eye on your bigger picture. Get access to our financial expertise at harlem.nm.com. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, headquartered in Milwaukee, Wisconsin.